All right, evening walk, 102 degrees, July 3rd, 2018. Bud had his uh, grooming today, so I mean, his hair is cut down to the skin. I mean, he's, <laughs> we let his hair grow. It's about two months, eight weeks. He gets really long, kind of long hair. He can, he can hardly almost, you can't see his eyes, but I mean, he can sort of see out. But he's got hair all over his face and his body, of course. And then, uh, it is windy too, by the way, so I don't know. I hope this microphone picks that up. But, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's really cut down now. And he, he yeah, I think he's a little bit surprised. I mean, he's had it done before. I mean, he gets this about six times a year, of course. And, um, yeah, it just seems like the day that he gets his hair cut like this, he uh, kind of gets a bit freaky. But he's out, we're out. I didn't soak him. Like last night I soaked him because he had real long hair. And I probably could have soaked him here. We'll see how he does in the heat. The sun's down, so it's still, it's uh, twilight, so we still light out, but the sun's not up and we're not getting hit with the sun. But there's a warm breeze on us and we're here we go. So Tuesday, and we have 4th of July tomorrow, right in the middle of the week, and uh, I seem to remember that 4th of July was a much bigger holiday than it is. I have a friend that's actually working tomorrow, I don't get that. And then bridging, it used to be a lot of bridging holidays make a big deal out of it. Uh, you know, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, stuff like that. So some people are doing it. Um, I'll be back to work on Thursday, Friday. I'm trying to work my angles, but uh, you know, then the people I need to talk to are I don't, I don't don't know where they're at. So that's how that works. So uh, it's 109 today, really hot. But in the pool inside, really didn't mind it at all. I mean, as long as you don't have to drive and be out in the heat um, too much. I was up early and got a workout in, so that was good. Read the last chapter of Philippians, and I, I noticed this time when reading through that chapter two kind of ends like as if the letter's going to end. He's like talking about greeting people and mentioning personal people, and then Chapter 3 starts up again. It's almost like he was finishing the letter, the short letter, and then decided, oh, wait, wait, I got more to say here. I got more to say. And actually, chat, I was thinking about this time. Was I needed to, out of the 127 chapters, I need to get like the top, top 12, um, top 10 or 12 chapters out of the, all those, like 10%. What are the top 10%? out of all these chapters and I, I noted that Philippians chapter 3 was just amazing to me. I, unfortunately, it's like I can't rattle off exactly why right now, but it just seems so um, informative, instructive, and just really great advice from Paul on what we're doing. So, um, 
Yeah, I've been thinking about that Rob Bell character. And, and this is my style. I, um, a Southern Baptist criticized him and called him a heretic or something. So what do I do? I get interested in him. <laughs> so, so when uh, if so, somebody criticizes him, I always question. I, mean, I just question everything, right? I question, you know, and it's a, that's just what we do. And uh, so I, I started listening to some podcasts from the guy. He's a really, really interesting guy. I think he has some really good teachings and concepts. So, um, of course, he has books. And I was kind of, I went to his website because he's, you know, he mixes in his promotion when he's doing a podcast about what he's doing. And uh, so he's got this book from, I guess it's 2011, one of the most controversial book or something about just kind of like an early transition. He was a mega church pastor in early 2000s. But it's called Love Wins. And I thought, well, that's a book that I guess he says people don't go to hell, stuff like that. Um, you know, that's to, to these people that want to call him a heretic. That's, that's what they pick up on. So, um, yeah, it's, it was $1.99 on Kindle. So I'm like, I'm not going to buy his newer book for like 15 or bucks or whatever. I'm going to, okay, I'll go get Love Win for two bucks. Started reading, it's pretty good. I enjoy reading that stuff. And he uh, asked some great questions. So good, that's Rob Bell. So a lot of, you know, it's, it's just weird. I, it's, it's like uh, Joel Osteen, these guys can't stand, these uh, Southern Baptists can't stand Joel Osteen. And, and this, this gets into one of my pet peeves. I, I, just, I just think I know this. It's just a grouping mentality. It's like you, <laughs> I guess people just want to have a black and white, in or out, you're in or out of the group. It's just so weird. Instead of the love everyone always concept, you know. So these people don't like Joe Osteen. And I'm like, well, have you listened to him? And, you know, and, and, and such and such. And, you know, they, they do a similar response that they do to Rob Bell. It's like, well, you know, Joe Osteen doesn't say that Christ is the only way to heaven and blah, blah, blah. And, I, and they refer to some Larry King interview. So... So I YouTube watch it, and I, I don't. I, he just kind of dances around a question, and he's like, "What? What value um, stating an opinion or whatever?" I don't know. Joel, Joel Osteen, I think, is fine. You know, maybe he's certainly. I don't. I wouldn't call him prosperity gospel because I mean, I, I really don't know what that. What's the definition of that? Because I've. I've I've heard the criticism so much now that I'm, I've gotten to the point, well, the, the gospel is a prosperity gospel. It talks about having a relationship with the creator of the whole world, of the, of the universe and everything. How can that not be prosperous, right? But, of course, they mean some kind of materialistic, you know, um, prosperity type of thing. And uh, I, I've listened to Joel quite a bit and I don't I don't get the sense that he's 
he's uh, promoting material wealth. I I, feel, I listen to that and I hear, um, you know, the, the word he uses most frequently is destiny. And to me, you know, he, I guess I would say he uses that word destiny, whereas I would say more like, you know, relationship with God and your outlier gifts where you just are you're doing what God created us to do, whatever that is, and it's different. It's, it's different, and it's also a key point I have, is it may not be flashy, right? I mean, as a younger person, you go to a conference, and there's someone up there speaking, and they have, they tell stories about their life, and how maybe they're a missionary somewhere, or they're going to going around the world speaking on things and the classic is someone that's uh, an apologetic guy or apologist right so they're they're like really smart and they can um, do stuff so um, you know you get the impression that your destiny is going to be involve fame and you know public acknowledgement and everybody um can have their destiny destiny and do their outlier gift it doesn't mean you're going to be on tv <laughs> it doesn't mean it doesn't be, mean you're going to be in movies or anything it just means whatever it's going to mean and it's like when I, i've in the last couple of years i kind of realized you know these church leaders often preach about doing certain things and loving your neighbor and i'm like well I don't know, am I really loving my family? I mean, enough, you know, or as well as I could, or in an outlier way, so to speak. And I, I started realizing that just just little things are incredible. And that's actually, I, I feel God's presence if I can make improvements in my daily life. Because who am I around most? I'm around people in my family. And uh, so being conscious of God's presence and doing the walking in the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, is in Philippians today, too. I just I, I haven't searched out all the places where the term walk is used. But I, it's coming up... I'm seeing it. It's, it's like jumping out of the pages at me. So I want to get a Latin term for that. I got to go look up what, what. This is my quirkiness, right? The Latin. So uh, the, the sola, the five solas, right? They all love that stuff. Martin Luther and those people. Sola scriptura. So I got my sola spiritu ambulatio. That's. Uh, only if you're walking in the spirit kind of thing. You've got to walk in the spirit. So ambulatio is the Latin. That must be it. I bet you in Philippians, if I dig in there, well, I, would, I shouldn't be surprised. I should not be surprised if I fi find a Greek word which is translated in Latin to ambulatio. So that might be a, a very key word. But I don't want to be one of those, <laughs> those preachers like, well, do you know that... Latin word 
Ambulatio was used 27 times in the New Testament. Uh, so it's just writing, folks. Don't count the words and make a bigger deal out of stuff because it's relative to, I mean, relative to what? what I mean, I don't know. So to me, the significance is that it's there at all. And it's a kind of looks like it's a, um, a re repeating theme, so to speak. And so I will look into that. Walk, 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 walk. And I'm walking buds. How you doing, bud? He's got a good energetic pace to him tonight. He probably feels good. Of course, you know, I, I don't know how well he feels. He He's not slowing down and he's not worn out by the heat. And uh, I don't know, we're heading in the direction of the, uh, the young boys, Gavin and Grant. So we may be pay paying them a visit, but they may be in San Diego. They like to go to San Diego around July 4th. So they might be out this whole week. And, uh, yeah, so we're having strudel on my birthday on Saturday. Oma, she's quite the character. <laughs> so her family, she's the youngest, and uh, I may have told you that she was, her birthday's in January of 1940, so I back that up. So that means uh, World War II started in September. 1939 so that means Oma's mother was pregnant when uh, World War II started so I think they were probably well they were all German the Fiedler Fiedler family and they were I think they were probably living in Yugoslavia at the time because her father was a trained railroad guy so railroad guys are kind of like I was thinking about it, they're kind of like airplane guys now. Airports, like people that work at airports or pilots or the whole industry, right? There's a lot of people working in the transportation business. So I think even my grandfather my in Wisconsin, he was a trained engineer, you know, shoveling coal in the engine. So, you know, as the economy changes and develop new technology now we got these airplanes and um, i have a friend who um a real good character that i like he's up in reno nevada and he's he's uh like a vp or something executive vice president for arion and they want to make this corporate jet fly supersonic which sounds cool right supersonic jet but they've always had ever since the military was flying supersonic and then people didn't like hearing the sonic booms in the 60s and 70s they kind of shut down the supersonic flight so uh, supersonic flight is uh, and I, I know I came I was talking about OMA but maybe I'll remember to come back to that um, but uh, as long as I'm on supersonic flight that's fun it's all about the transportation so essentially Airplanes that most of us fly on, Boeing 737s, Airbuses, those commercial airliners, they're probably lucky if they're flying 0 0.9 Mach. So Mach is the sound barrier. So the characteristics of air, oxygen, and 
nitrogen, there's a limit on how fast an airplane can fly depending on the altitude. So as the air gets thinner up higher, so he does see the little boys. Oh, buds, you're going to want to go see them, huh? Huh? You want to go say hi? So about, let's just call it, I think it's like 600 miles per hour. Six to 700 miles per hour. And it depends on the altitude and, and so forth. So you're going to be flying probably 550 miles an hour, which is a pretty good clip. And that's why you can roughly go, like if I'm flying from city A to B and it's 1,500 miles, that's going to be about a three-hour flight. So you can figure it out that way. Now, that's just under one Mach 1. So corporate jets are also limited. They like to go, like, they're also pushing it, trying to get as close to the Mach number of one as possible, like point, point 0.85 is good. There's some in the low point nines now. And uh, so, like, if you're flying New York, it's a little bit shady because flying, like, New York to L.A., like, on a .85 Mach plane, it might take five hours, and you might save 30 minutes. So four and a half. So is that exciting to get there a little bit a minute that much quicker? I don't know. Maybe. Now, if you can go Mach 2 or 3, let's say you can go Mach 2, now you can cut that five hours down to two and a half. So now you're now you're now you're talking, right? Get New York to LA in two and a half hours. And if you can go Mach four, now you're talking an hour and fifteen minutes. So and now you can go like New York to London that much faster. So you got it's the Mach number is the key. And it's all about the speed and getting somewhere fast, which is ideal, right? I mean Right now, if you're, I'm looking at going to London from Phoenix, it's going to be sitting on a 747, bumping along at probably Mach 0.8. It's going to take 11 hours to get get there, you know. <laughs> so, so if you can cut that 11 hours down to like three or four, now you're talking, right? Anyway, so my friend's up in Reno and Boeing. He's making a corporate jet or working on one that's going to be like 1.2 Mach. Whoa! 30% faster, right? So it's cool in a way, and it's a corporate jet. But Boeing just announced they want to build a Mach 5 plane, 5.0. So at that point, I mean, it, it might take 15 years longer, right, to get there. But this corporate jet is going to be blown away by Boeing. Because, like, I don't care how comfortable a corporate jet is. If it only flies 1.2 and I can get on a commercial Boeing plane and fly Mach 5, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on the, you know, the Boeing plane, right? It's like, I don't, it's like, if I can get there that fast, I'm going to take this fastest device. So there you go. little science insight for 2018 from the aviation industry so um and so yeah so my friends that work there we'll see what happens maybe boeing will just buy that company out and they'll just cash out it doesn't matter so yeah my my as i'm older now i have a little different perspective on business because you know it's a risk to do a 1.2 my corporate jet 
And, uh, but then again, maybe it's not, because maybe they are developing technology. It's not easy to do. And they might just get bought out by Boeing, because Boeing might want to know everything that they've learned. So who knows, you know? That's good. What else? So Alma born in Germany. Well, German parents, World War II. So 1940. So the German education system's big on apprenticeships. So she told me this story one time, and maybe last year or two years ago, and I, I just I thought that would be a great scene in a movie. So you had a picture of a 15 year old girl in 1955 in the countryside of Germany who's doing an apprenticeship as a butcher butchers <laughs> butchering meat and she says the owner of this thing this butcher shop was not a really nice guy and took advantage of cheap labor right so she would work her butt off and get paid like apprentice wages right because that's how the German government was set up and this is after World War II so you try to imagine 1955 the war had only been over for 10 years nine or ten years everybody's like messed up their cities are blown apart they're trying to get it together this, this country's divided just crazy time right so here's Maggie at this country butcher shop and she told me well yeah it was owned by a Jewish guy and I'm like huh that's interesting kind of like in the middle of West Germany some Jewish guy was able to hang on through the war and keep his butcher shop somehow. Or maybe he was in a prison camp at the end and he came back, what have you. I don't know what the story is on, on the, the situation, but I just had this, and she just made it, she just uh, indicated that the owner was not very nice to her. And here's this 15-year-old girl, and this is where the movie scene comes in. I, I picture in the butcher shop with a big knife. You know, she's got this big, big knife, and the guy's razzing her and telling her to work faster or clean something up or do something, right? And then she just, she's so frustrated with the whole damn thing, and she finally blows her top with this big knife in her hand, and she's just gets done like slamming the, the big knife into some piece of beef. And uh, she looks over at the owner and says, you know, Herr Uxler, you know, how did you, how did you survive <laughs> World War II, you asshole, or something like that? <laughs> just the, the anger that had built up for her just comes out in that moment and uh, just shocks the hell out of the guy. Because we, we, and we all do wonder, like, I don't, well, how did the dude survive? Um, you know, so, and, and she's, obviously she's 15 and she's not, you know, studying the situation and the politics and the history. She lived through it, but nobody really wanted to 
think about it anymore, right? So, um, but the Jewish thing was always tough. And I, I mean, I didn't appreciate it. And when I went to move there in 93, and I kind of look around, I'm thinking there's, there's not any Jews in Germany anymore, right? Who would want to, who'd want to go to that country <laughs> if you're Jewish? But it turns out there were survivors and then they, they stuck around. And uh, of course, I found out later, Victor Klemperer in Dresden, there was a, quite a few Jewish people that were married to Protestants or Christian people. And so they were protected from the camps. But anyways, I, I was just thinking, yeah, Alma, Maggie, she's over at the house again, hanging in there helping us out a lot but she's a clean freak I tell you that man oh man did I, I don't think I told you about the dishwasher situation so the dishwasher thing is pretty funny because I kind of gave in and just do what she de- says but um, her, her concept is a little bit off because <laughs> she would when she first couple of days she'd come over she'd see like a pile of dishes in the sink and then because uh, and then of course Cameron and I were kind of like the lazy guys and let somebody else put the dishes in the dishwasher right so Maggie is training us to hey don't don't put your dish in the di- in the sink and then just wait for somebody else to do it She's like, well, when you bring your dirty dish over to the sink, then you put it in the dishwasher. So then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go with that for a while. Had fun with it. And, uh, of course, whenever I did it, I was like, hey, Alma, look, I'm putting the dish in the dishwasher. And coincidentally, about this time, the actual dishwasher door Kind of, it's quite, it didn't really, it sort of broke, sort of, right? So if you notice, a dishwasher has, when you, they don't, you bring the door down, it doesn't just like flop down to the floor. Usually you open it and you let it down and it kind of lets itself down because the, the engineers figure like, well, people don't want to be like touching their toes and letting the door down. So they, they have devices, it turns out, in the door to let it down slowly. Usually it's like a pulley system with a spring. So they have springs in there with ropes so that when you open the door and you let it down, it doesn't just flop down and do this. So anyways, that that rope broke or something. I had to go figure it out. It at least it was a cheap repair. It was like 12 bucks or something, 15 bucks, really nice. Wasn't too bad, but I never would have known that something I never would have known that that's a possibility, but now I do. And so do you. Now, you know, this is the value of the, the podcast. You just learned something. Your dishwasher door, if it ever starts just flopping down, it's because there's a spring system somehow, depending on the, how they designed it, that keeps it up. Okay, all right, so that's established that. So then my brain subconsciously came up with, now, wait a minute. So, Alma, let's say we have 10 dishes. And so we all, kind of, within a half hour, we place 
10 dishes in the dishwasher. So that means we're opening the door and closing it 10 times. So whereas if we did do what we were doing, just put it all in the sink until it's full, and then just kind of give them the rinse, open the door once and stick all the stuff in there, you're only wearing and tearing the door down one-tenth of the OMA method. Now, okay, let's cut OMA some slack. She's living by herself the last 10 years, so it's just her. So she, she would never do that at her house because it's only her, right? So she's kind of bringing her, her home rules to us, which is all right. She's okay. She's good. <laughs> but, but it's also an example of how, like if I didn't realize this, if I don't think about it or take some kind of her perspective, a lot of, a lot of son-in-laws would be jerks, right? They'd be like, no, I'm right. I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do that. You know, your German mother-in-law is just so German and so, so dumb about it. I'm, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's how some people are, I suppose, but not me. I'm different. I'm not, I'm not saying that my ways are the best ways, but I'm very, like, I'm not going to get excited about that because I get excited about too many other stupid things. So maybe getting excited about stupid things means you don't have the energy to get, get um, fired up about non-stupid things. So... So anyways, that's the dishwasher, that's the Oma, that's the, the butcher. She's quite a character. And she can't hear very well right now, and her hearing aid's not great. So there's a lot of shouting going on <laughs> in the house. Shouting to try to communicate and get her ideas across. And uh, so that's fun. So this is part of the, the cancer drama, see? So she wouldn't be... She wouldn't want to just hang out with us for no reason, but because Christine's got the um, a lot of struggles with the cancer, it's a it's an amazing help to have her around. So pretty awesome, pretty awesome. And uh, at the risk of offending some other family member, she does have two son-in-laws. And they're both named Mike. So she can always say her favorite son-in-law is Mike. But it's really me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't have... <laughs> Mike is my favorite son-in-law. <laughs> but it's really me. I'm the guy. I'm the favorite son-in-law. Not because I'm just, like, so awesome. It's just like I'm more... I think I have a little bit more understanding. And a little more empathy for uh, Maggie and so forth. So that's that's a good thing. Having that empathy. So uh, walk. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. There you go. And we have our own walks. And that's why I love the um, great relationship. And there's a lot of power and strength 
in the consideration that we are in God's presence and he loves us each individually and he's has a gift destiny purpose something for each of us that we will figure out eventually and um, it's all good. It doesn't have to be um, immediate. Uh, in fact, maybe I maybe I'm in a time of just discovering this concept myself and uh, going through like some reprogramming of my mind. Because um, I, you know, this this is. This is the black slice I talk about. I've got my own black slice. My own quote-unquote issues where I'm not in perfect peace with myself or the world, right? So, um, you know, yeah. A probably aging is humbling, right? So <laughs> you age and then you realize a lot of things that you didn't realize before when you're full of energy, confidence in weird shit. Oh yeah, that was another concept. Confidence in weird shit. So, um, watching this German history it was like a five-part, six-part series starting in the 700s. Kid Charlemagne, we talked about, through to, uh, what was it, uh, Barbarossa. I love that Barbarossa. Um, and uh, the last one was um, Otto von Bismarck. Interesting character. He, he was, like, coordinating stuff behind the scenes, but there was a Kaiser Wilhelm. He was the real, like, top dog. But Bismarck had all the political power and made things happen. And he pissed off a lot of people. Probably just because he probably came across as super arrogant. And that, I mean, that's what can happen with confidence, right? But, so be careful with your confidence level. Stay humble. Hey, bud, where are we going? Like, this is the middle of the street, bud. Where do you want to be? You want to get over by the rabbit trail? Okay. We'll go in the rabbit gate. So, yeah, Otto Bismarck pissed off a lot of people, but he uh, created the first, first uh, Germany, United Germany country in 18... 70, so not that long ago. But, uh, yeah, it took a few short wars. Those, Ger those Germans weren't afraid of fighting and stuff. So, but it also, you know, we're so fortunate these days to have a little bit more respect for one another. I mean, they, watching these history things, I can tell that they people had like no respect for anybody and we probably still have that in the, the the powers of government and 
people have to express their opinion and oftentimes it comes at, at the, they can't do it without saying that this other group are stupid and they're idiots, right? They can't like make a good argument without putting somebody else down, which really sucks. So, because I, and it just it has to do, I think, with the limited view of life. I, maybe it's abundance mentality. To me, abundance mentality is, it's not just abundance of, of um, resources. Um, what about abundance of time? You know, time to explain something, time to work something out. Abundance of time. I, I think if I look back, I'm very short-sighted. Like, got to get it done now. Got to get it done. I have a little bit of. I recognize Maggie Oma's cleanliness thing. I just don't do it in cleanliness thing. I do it. That's very physical. You can observe that. You can see that she's like compulsive about cleaning and obsessive about it, right? So I'm obsessed about thoughts or something. So my brain is like obsessed with thoughts. And maybe just talking it out on a podcast reveals how screwed up I am, you know? And it's okay to be just, it's like, well, okay, I'm talking to myself. Like, think about it, right? Like, this is, I'm doing something, I'm recording something, I'm thinking there's some value here, I'm being totally transparent, and I really, I'm not promoting this podcast to be listened by anyone, and I'm not shaping it, I'm just, this is just a transparent podcast. Oh, bud, did you step on a thorny? Let's see, how's your foot? That's good. Okay, you can walk. Um, so, uh, yeah, compulsive, obsessive about thoughts. So if I keep my mouth shut and don't say anything, that was one of the tricks I learned in Germany. If you ride the train and I don't say anything, people think that you're, uh, um, they don't know if you're German or not. Or Russian, they, they, maybe they thought I was Russian. It doesn't matter. But as long as you just have this game face on in the subway, you could get by. So, but I did hear about racism in there because there was a Iraqi. It's kind of fun there. in 1995, I think the U.S. went to war with Iraq about that time. I can't remember. No, it was probably later. Eh, maybe not. No, maybe they did. But uh, we had an Iraqi and an um, Iranian there. Pretty funny. And uh, the Iraqi guy said he was getting harassed on the subways in Berlin. Like German guys would tell him, "Like get out of my seat. You're not, you're not a German." Stuff like that. So, but that never happened to me because I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> I wasn't making podcasts. So yeah, technology, I'm talking to myself. Anybody looking at me right now, I'm walking a dog, talking to myself. But truth be known, I'm sending out my thoughts to the, the entire globe. So technology is such that anybody who has like internet access, no matter where they are, can hear the expressions of my soul, spirit, and mind. Whether they're awesome, they're certainly not refined. 
they're not planned out but they're from the heart that's for sure from the heart random thoughts <laughs> and uh, dulcet tones for a podcast listening pleasure so this, and I do get a kick out of podcasts when I listen to it myself like I said I'll change the oil in my car and I'll throw on a podcast and it just fills the fills the space you have someone talking to you it sounds like it's live and uh, whether it's recorded or not they are the ideas and thoughts and um, expressions of a, another human being and we may not agree with a hundred percent of them or ninety percent and if and you may not and if they're pleasant if the person's speaking and is pleasant you can probably agree not agree with more than 10% but still enjoy listening to them <laughs> it's the, it's the angry people that think they're right about everything that are a pain in the ass but uh, so that is the message there so bud what are you going to do you're stopping at a plant so bud made it without stopping it's hot but not but not sunny he's breathing a bit heavy I'm a bit bushed because I, I ran three miles this morning and now I just probably walked about a mile and a quarter and the last bit was uphill and I do have this water spot out here but I don't know what it is so it could be anything the AC machines are running. It's going to cool down the inside of the house, make it pleasant. And uh, that's it, folks. I am going to shut this thing off. And uh, you all have a wonderful 4th of July day, whatever you're going to do with it. Bye.